you know, as we talk about God's unconditional love, God does have that benevolent, unconditional love towards us all. But in Christ, there's a, there's a truth that we have this love that is gift righteousness to us, that when he sees us, he sees Christ. And I think sometimes we forget the fear of God. We forget that. And, and it's sometimes even uncomfortable. I don't know if you felt a little uncomfortable hearing this, seeing this. I felt uncomfortable a little bit. You know, you just kind of feel like, whoa, this is someone actually storing up more and more wrath, more and more years they are not coming to Christ. And yet, I can't get around the fact that it's true. It's, it's so true. What did he say that wasn't true? And it made me think how much I've been saved. It makes the good news that much better, doesn't it? And so I want to ask you guys, what did you guys think about that video? What, did you, what was your reaction? I know it's hard to kind of take that all in, right? The first five minutes of midweek. What do you guys think? Janet? Yeah, of course. Well, we're going to be the bride of Christ, right? Yeah. And would Christ want me if I don't want to get to know him, spend time with him? If I don't change my ways to please him, to discover what he likes, um, just to submit and be obedient to his word, and the more word I learn, the more I get to know what makes him happier. Yeah. I know that the blood of Christ sanctifies me, but I'm changed because of that decision I've made. Yeah. I don't keep sinning because God loves me. Yeah. I change my ways so that I can be more and more like Him. That's Amen. Yeah, what, that's what's great. going to make me different from the, the other person next to me? You know, I'm excited to meet Him, terrified to meet fall on my face before him I'm certain of it but I hope I hear well done good and faithful servant Amen that's true and in Christ because of his promises we can have that assurance which is awesome but I also think it's also how we preach the message to people you know how do we preach the message to people you know and I, I, I hate to say it when someone walks away from Christ you know it's hard to share this with them that like every year, you're building up more and more wrath against you, you know? And then as we talk about God's love, and even as we talk about the gospel today, and even as we talk about the prayer, so you have been to me, so I'll be with others. I've been reading through the psalm, Psalm 11. Uh, if we could go there, Psalm 11. And I, I want to give a chance to anyone else want to share just in a second. I looked at this passage, and you know, I don't know if, if saying God loves a sinner but hates the sin is a total accurate thing. I was going to share on that. Yeah. Uh, like when Daryl was actually on Sunday. I can't remember. It might have been Josh actually that asked the question about like the people at school and stuff like that. Yeah. He said ultimately you, like people, have to love the sinner and hate the sin. And I feel like that can be true for us. Yeah. Because we can't like hate people. Yeah. But I feel like God has like, basically an authority to kind of do that. And who am I to say that he can't? Mm. So it's kind of that weird. 
and, and what does hate mean? I mean, that's another word, just another thing. Does he hate us like we think of hate? But we are sinners, you know, and if we are connected to that sin, we are connected to his wrath, you know? And so um, it's a great point, though, you know, and, and God doesn't hate people in itself like, I hate you, you know, like that. I think he... I think we cannot separate ourselves from our sin without Jesus. Yeah. Sort of along those lines, I think one of the hardest questions to answer, and I had my best friend ask me this, he's an atheist, and he asked me, if God's so loving, why, why are there bad things in the world? Why are there why is there sin? And kind of that whole, why is there evil or what is evil? Yeah. And I think this, this video, I wish I would have seen it beforehand, does a really good job of, of at least giving a good perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Psalm 11, and I've been reading through the Psalms, and this is the Psalm, today's Psalm is this Psalm. And I'm reading through it, and I'm like, wow. Verse 5 is the same scripture he quoted that I saw today. And I didn't look this up. It was one of those videos that just comes up after a video. You know, it's like, you're like, was that the Holy Spirit, or was that just YouTube? Maybe it was just both. But uh, verse 5 says something powerful. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you, but like, he hates with a passion. So Hitler, I was going to say it, Hitler, unrepentant, you know, a violent man, he hates with a passion. If he does not turn to Christ, he hates with a passion. If I walk away and stop following Jesus and say, forget you, forget your cross, forget everything about you, he hates me with a passion. I, I hate the think, thought of that, being hated with a passion. And yet the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end of it. We shouldn't do everything because of the fear of God. But that's the beginning of it. Amen? When you realize that God hated me with a passion at one point. What? He hated my sin, but I am that sin. And he said something that was powerful. God doesn't sell, send the sin, right, to hell. He sends the sinner. Which was like, that's true. So I can't separate myself from the sin. And either can you. Without Jesus, there's that wall of separation, right? Without Jesus. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about this. Because God saved you from being an enemy of his. And he became the enemy. He became the enemy. You know, when you look at the cross, do you see wrath? When you look at the cross, God's wrath was upon Jesus. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And so he took the price. He took the wrath. He took the hate with a passion. You know, I always wonder, why did he get flogged? And why did he get pummeled up? And why did he get thorns on his head? And why did, you know, you're not, not supposed to get flogged and crucified. That's never happened in the Roman society. You're not supposed to have that happen. You, you could die of being flogged, you know? People have died of being flogged, but then you're going to crucify the guy? And there was this, like, really weird situation. Pilate wanted to let him go, and he, he said, let me just punish him. And then last minute... As if God's sovereignty said, no, that's not enough, actually. 
I need to show Glenn how much I love him, but how much I hate sin. How much I hate, with a passion, sin, if it's connected to you. And so for us, when you think about what God has done for us, now that becomes a lot bigger, doesn't it? That he didn't just die on the cross so that, you know, in, in this really, you know, unpassionate way, right? It's called the passion of the Christ for a reason. He, he died for us. It's a scandalous love. It's a terrible love. It's an amazing love. It's a crazy love, right? These are the things we think about with the cross. And so the prayer is, as you have been to me, so I'll be to others. What, did Jesus, what has Jesus been to you? Wow, think about that. What has Jesus been to you? Well, Everything on earth has been created through Jesus. So number one, the reason why you're here is because Jesus created you. Because Jesus, well, the whole world's made through him. Amen? So the reason I have existence is because of Jesus, number one. Number two, all the blessings in my life have come from God, coming down from the Father of the light. So the benevolence of God has been upon me, even as he hated me with a passion. You know, he says, bless, the, bless those that are enemies against you. You know, give them bread, give them food, bless them. Do not curse them. God has been doing that with human beings since their existence, right? And then lastly, he died for us to give us grace. And so what does that mean? That prayer is so powerful, isn't it? As you have been to me, Lord, so will I be to others. That's a crazy amount of love, isn't that? When was the last time you died for your enemy? Whoa. That's intense. Nobody has ever died for their enemy. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, does it? No one ever has done that. But Jesus did. John 13. Let's go there, guys. All right, we got wicked intense. I know. But we needed to. Because without this message... The good news is not as good. You know, we are objects of wrath, and then Jesus stepped in at the right time while we were enemies, while we were sinners, and he died for us, demonstrating his love for us in this. While we were sinners, while we were the ones hated with the passion, Jesus died for us. Amen? Uh, Who would like to read John 13, 34 through 35? You want to write that? All right. Denise? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the prayer, right? This is the command... Now we need to pray for it. You know, we need to pray to love like this. This is not just a natural love, amen? That's true. It's not a natural love. To see people the way Jesus saw them. We see people the way we see them. From our perspective. And we think about how much we've been hurt. Don't we? we you hurt me. Why did you hurt me? What if Jesus thought about that? 
on the cross. Woe is me. Hurtful, he hurt me. What was he doing? He was saving someone else on the cross. I remember I was in Moscow, and Sean Moon got up, and he preached a message about the cross. He did 12 messages, communion messages, on the cross. That's his whole thing. He was living in an orphanage at the time in Moscow, and we were serving orphans, and he preached one after one. One of his messages was about the thief on the cross. And he said, Jesus was fruitful on the cross. What's your excuse? And I was like, Aah! I got no excuse. When they were mocking him, did he say, you know, you're mocking me, it hurts. Why are you doing this? I'm dying for you and you're doing this to me. Why are you doing this to me? No, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We need to pray, church, to love like this. We don't just love like this without prayer. This is a supernatural love. This is a love that will let the whole world know that we're disciples. Just by the way we love one another. It doesn't even have to be in the world, actually. Although that's also true. But he says, if we love one another, and that's, people come into our fellowship, guys, and they see that. I want to encourage you guys with that. They look at their fellowship, well, this is amazing. Yeah, you know, you guys don't get all the bells and whistles, and, you know, last church I went to was kind of better in some ways, <laughs> you know, presentation-wise and stuff. But what you guys got here is amazing. I want some of that. People have said that so many times. I remember one time I had a church service, and we were kind of, kind of in Boston, we were trying to figure out a lot of things, and one person said, we got to figure all this out before we start inviting people to church. And, and you know, we got to fix this, and we got to fix that. We can't keep on making the same mistakes. And I raised my hand, I said, I brought three people to church. Just wanted you to say this. I brought three people to church, and they all want to study the Bible, and they said this is the most amazing church they've ever seen in their entire life. So I think it's good enough for them. <laughs> so let's keep sharing our faith and then keep changing as well. Let's do that. But the thing that I think is amazing is that Jesus, what he's done for you, is incredible. Those who, you know, when we experience the generosity of the gospel, we naturally extend the generosity to others. Amen? Let's go to Matthew 18. This is one of these parables that, man, oh man, well, parables are kind of um, cryptic, you know what I mean? Like, tell me what the parable of the talents really means. Go ahead and tell me. I don't know. Well, it's about using your talents for the Lord. Really? What's it about? Well, it's about the Jew and Gentile situation. The Jews got more talents and the Gentiles got less. Okay, cool. What does it really mean? I don't even know. I actually am still learning about what that means, okay? What about the shrewd manager? What does that even mean? The guy's going around cheating everyone, saying, hey, man, pay me half. And the Lord's like, see this guy? See this guy? Use your money to win friends. You're like, uh, what? <laughs> you want me to, no, I don't think you want me to lie, Jesus. Like, you want me to kind of swindle. What's this about, Lord? This one of these parables, and I read it to someone, and they were like, you know, these, a lot of parables I don't understand, but this one I do get. And we all get this one. Matthew 18. What does it mean to say this prayer? Radical forgiveness. I don't know about you, but we need 
to have a conviction that we need to forgive like Jesus forgives. And God forgives. And I know that's hard. But say this prayer with me. Father, forgive them. Say it with me. For they do not know what they do. That helps me forgive people. I don't know about you, but that helps me. You know, when a racist calls someone something, or somebody hurts somebody, I say that to myself. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, yes, they do. They know exactly what they're doing. Do they know what they're doing? Most people don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. doesn't mean they're not aware. doesn't mean they're not um, accountable for it. Amen? doesn't mean that. It just means that they're spiritually blind. And to be spiritually blind is the most dangerous thing you can be. Even disciples sometimes don't know what they do. You ever be in that situation? Someone reacts to you in a wicked, intense way, and you're like, whoa, demons come out of him. You know what I mean? Like, what's happening with this guy? And he reacted to you in a weird way. And you're like, oh, what's that about? Why did he do that? I didn't do anything. He just snapped on me. (laughs) Why did that happen? Well, because they don't know what they do. They're still working on their character. Doesn't mean they don't have to repent. Doesn't mean they don't change. Jesus understood. They knew what they were doing. They're crucifying him. They knew what they were doing. They were mocking a prophet. But in their mind, he was just an opposition to what they were trying to do. They didn't know they were crucifying God. And you go, well, that's different. No, it's not. Sin is, it all comes from spiritual blindness. They think, this is the way out. This is the way we're going to do it, Right? Matthew 18, awesome parable. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I love Peter. Up to seven times? You know, after seven times, perfect number, Lord, I think it's a perfect number. That's when if eight happens, forget about it. You're out. You're out of the club. You know? Why did Peter ask this question? Let me ask you, what do you guys think? Why didn't Peter ask Jesus this question? It's a funny thing to ask the Lord. How many times do we forgive someone, Lord? What do you think? I think Peter probably uh, needed some forgiveness. Yeah. Get tired of just being frustrated by this kind of Yeah. You just, someone keeps on sinning against you in the same way. Has that ever happened? Married couples? (laughs) You know, I mean, it happens. It's funny how you, the same fight, I had the same fights with Danielle, the same fights. As you get older and older, you go, they're a little bit better, and we've learned how to recognize them more, but we get in the same fights. And it's not that I want to do it. It's not like, okay, today I'm going to just mess up again in the same way I always mess up, and I've changed, and we've seen glorious change in our marriage, but I still, it comes down to these two things. It really does. And how many times... Can you forgive me? I love this passage. Up to seven times, Lord? Wow, I would be in trouble if that was the case. You know? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Other versions say 70 times seven. Okay? Which puts an extra perfection number on that. 
You know what I mean? It's not just, okay, I'm 470 times, I'm good, I'm done. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, that's, you know, whatever that number is. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, no, that's 4,900, 4,900, 490, is that right? 490. 490. 491 times, you're out. No, that's the perfect, whenever you time not just perfection, but an infinite amount. Amen? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He began to settle a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, 10,000 bags of gold! Dude, you don't even need to be a scientist or a mathematician to know that dude is in deep trouble. Ten. If I put 10,000 bags of gold in this room, what would that look like? It would be like Lord of the Rings, you know, the Hobbit, you know, dragon layer, right? Where the Hobbit's coming in. That's basically what we're talking about. This whole room filled with gold, you know? 10,000, that guy owed 10,000. That is equivalent to $11.9 billion. Wow. That's like stimulus package. Money, you know, $11.9 billion, you owe that, okay? Wow, that dude's in trouble, <laughs> okay? At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged him. I will pay back everything. Now, is he going to pay back everything? Nope. There ain't no way he's going to... Imagine if you owed $11.9 billion, would you be able to pay that back? Why'd you borrow in the first place? How do you borrow that? Good question. The servant master took pity on him and canceled the debts and let him go. What? How can you cancel that? That's not fair. That doesn't make any sense. That's not just. That is not right. $11.9 billion, you cancel that? But then, but when the servant went out, he found uh, his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. Rightfully so. And when he told their master everything that happened, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on the fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owes. This is how it will be, how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Wow. Let's read that again. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. That doesn't sound good to me. Is any man's, is your hurt worth that? Not worth it. Never worth it. <laughs> Never worth it. Sometimes I go, man, you, you, if you lack forgiveness, you're hurting yourself. That, the person's not worth it for you to let 
that happened to you, right? Now, how much is, uh, what's it say here? Um, this silver, 100 silver coins. What is that? Now, that's, I always think, oh, that's like $2, right? No, that's $8,700 in our money. And what I was profound about this parable was 8700 Imagine if I owed Tim $8,700. How would he be feeling with me? What would you be feeling, bro? I mean, I want that money, man. Yeah. Can we get a payment plan going? Can we, can we, can we work together? You know what I mean, brother? Can we work together? That's why I say, be careful about lending brothers and sisters money. Let me just say that. That's not the best thing because then you have that awkward relationship, right? But $8,700 is going to make it super awkward. And Brett, how are you going to feel as the, as the spouse? Not awesome. Not awesome. Not awesome. You know what I mean? So what I, what I think is profound about this parable is that they hurt you. There's significant hurt there. It's not just, oh, Jesus doesn't say your hurt doesn't mean anything. Jesus doesn't say it wasn't significant what happened. There's some significant things that have happened to us in our life that Jesus isn't trying to pass over and say, oh, that's no problem. Just love Jesus. No, $8,700 worth of it. But in comparison to $11.7 billion, there's no comparison. It seems pretty silly that you should choke out someone for that. You know, in your mind, you put them in jail. <laughs> you lock them up. You don't trust them. I don't forgive you from the heart. That can be something that can happen to people. You know, the Jean Valjean scene where you guys know he steals the candlesticks. He steals all, you know, he steals all the silver and hits the priest over the head and runs out. Then the police catch him and say, we caught him. We caught the, you know, the robber. And he's like, did you, you know, he's like, oh, you forgot something. You forgot the candlesticks. And he brings the candlesticks to him. And the police are like, what's happening? speechless. He's just sitting there going, you forgot the candlesticks. These candlesticks, are, and he said, with this I brought back your soul. And Jean Valjean lived a life of patience, kindness, and generosity. See, that's what the gospel does. We are Jean Valjean. You know? And God, he saved us. And through the blood of Jesus, he brought back us. You know, who do you need to give mercy to? I'm going to ask you that. Is there anyone you need to give mercy to? Is there anyone you need to forgive? You know, sometimes I, I go, ah, we, as Christians, we figured all that out. Right? Not really. Because people, we live in this world, right? And people hurt us. You know, are you holding on to things? You know, the Bible says something very challenging. You forgive them from your heart. Man, what does that mean? That's a deep question. Doesn't necessarily explain it. But I think even more than just forgiving, it's also about radical love. 
because the amount of love is more than $11.7 billion, right, that God gave us. And so giving, you know, if you have $2 billion at your disposal, giving someone $5 is not a big deal. And sometimes we can feel like we are in debt, right, as Christians. And you're like, no, I don't feel that, bro. I really am in debt. That might be true, money-wise, but spiritually-wise, you are rich, amen? And I just want you to think about that for a second. A recipient of great mercy becomes a giver of great mercy. You know, when people hurt you, it's tough. It's $8,700 sometimes, you know? It means something, it hurts, it feels it. When people do that, it's challenging, right? Think about how... These other servants looked at this guy. They were like, what, what, what do you talk? What do you mean, man? Why are you throwing that guy in jail? Right? At the same time, we as people that are supposed to serve people and love people and give people the way Jesus, we need to become Jesus on this earth. I want to challenge you. The guy that you kind of don't like at work, I want you to look at as if you looked at Jesus. You know, the, the person who you feel like is bugging you so much in the church. Amen? Sometimes people bug you in the church. No one ever feels that way against Wade. Okay? Some of you guys, you know, we can, we can bug each other, you know. But truth is, how does Jesus look at him? You know, sometimes we can get frustrated with people. We can write them off. We can say, I'm done with that brother. I'm finished. I, I just, man, that's hard. It's just... That sister, man, I just can't, right? We got to remember, this servant who owed $11.7 billion. Amen? Um, let's go to uh, John 21. Let me end here, guys. Honestly, this parable is super powerful because I don't walk around sometimes thinking that. Seven billion. I've been forgiven. Woo! Amazing. You know, I remember God gave me grace like this one time through a atheistic organic chemistry teacher. Okay, this is bad. I was in organic chemistry as a disciple. I was trying to do good. I was trying to help people know Jesus, but organic chemistry was beating me up. I got a B-plus in it. I was fired up. Second semester, man. I come in the next semester, and there's 500 people in the class at UNH, two, two, two sections. There's 50 people in this section. And I'm like, oh, man. Wow. Where'd everyone go? There's only, there's only two sections of this. And the guy looks over and goes, no, there's only one section, and you're in it. Everyone else got weeded out, and I was like, Oh, dang. You know? So I was, like, sitting there, and organic chemistry teacher, he was, he was teaching, you know? And, you know, he was doing the Professor Clump thing where his belly erased the board. <laughs> and he was not the best teacher, amen, but that didn't have any reason that didn't, shouldn't excuse me. You know, I'm sure if Trevor was in the class, he would get an A+. But I was struggling, right? And I remember 
I was studying. I was having a hard time. And I, and I, I could have got a C plus on this exam. But, you know, if you're going to get into medical school, you can't be getting C pluses on tests that matter. And I was feeling the pressure. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm like, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? And I looked and I saw the answer on this other guy's paper. It wasn't like I cheated like this. You know, it was one of those like, oh, shit, I saw the answer. And then I started thinking, you know, I probably would have figured that out, that answer, <laughs> on my own. Man, well, maybe I would have figured it out. The answer's big. And it was a big question. It put my, my grade up 15 points, okay? So I confessed to this brother. brother said, you should tell your teacher you cheated. And I was like, I thought you were going to say, bro, don't do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? You ever confess to someone, it's caused you to repent, you're like, dang, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I, should, I should have confessed that to God, not you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But man, the Holy Spirit worked, and I was like, ugh. I was struggling, I was struggling, I was struggling, and I was finally, and the guy said before, if anyone cheats, you'll be expelled, straight up. So I told the people I was discipling, I had like a couple of people I was discipling, I was like, listen guys, I think I might be going to community college next year, <laughs> but I'm going to be here for you guys, I love you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be only 20 miles away, you know, and, and I'm going to get back to you in age, don't worry. So I go back, and this teacher, he's like a robot, he really is, he's like data from the Starship Enterprise, I'm not painting the picture wrong. He was like, hello Glenn, he sits down, I have to go to his office, I'm like, I, I got something I got to tell you. Cheated on your exam. And um, I, I just want you to know that. I shouldn't have gotten this. I should have got this. Great. And he said, You know, in my 25 years of teaching, you know, you're like, Oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, when someone says that, you're like, Oh, no, 25 years old, you're going to lecture me, and then I'm going to get wrecked. I've never had anyone confess to me. They've done this. So, therefore, you, you've learned your lesson. You can keep your grade. And we'll just forget about the whole thing. I ran out there doing period. period. <laughs> you know, doing all these things. I was so happy. You know, the truth is, I should have got. I should have failed. I should have gotten expelled. You know, it's fair. But God gave me grace. And you know what? I've also been. I've also failed. You know, classes before. It was a writing proficiency class. You're like, wow, Glenn, you weren't the greatest student. I actually did pretty good in school, but this grade wrecked me. You had to be in attendance five times. It was every day at 8 a.m., and I was playing basketball. That was not a good decision on my part because I'd be super tired. And if you were 15 minutes late, you'd get an absence. And the worst part about this is I didn't need to go to the class because I already I passed the test, writing proficiency. Someone suggested, my advisor suggested I take this class, and the Lord... He, he taught me a lesson. So the sixth time I showed up late, she looked at the watch. It was 16 minutes or 17 minutes after the hour. And she said, you will get an absence for this class. She said in front of everyone. Oh, man. So I went. I thought maybe she'd forget it. Like, you know, I'm just going to keep taking the class. Maybe she'll forget it. Maybe she'll miscount. She didn't miscount. Grades came out, fail. F. You either pass or fail. One of those pass or fails, you got an F. 
And I went to her and I begged her, please, please, can I not get an F? She's just like, I explained the rules clearly to you. And you can't, you can't get out of this way. That's what she said. And I was like, oh, man. So both taught me a lesson, right? But the truth is, both are loving disciplines from God. Both are important for me to grow in school, right? But the truth is, it's challenging sometimes to realize that God could have done that with us too. And so I need to be doing spiritual purettes for people. I need to be excited about my Christianity. John 21, we'll, we'll end right here. Miraculous catch of fish. Remember that scripture says, for any one of these little ones you did for me, you did any, anything you did for one of these little ones you did for me. Remember that, Matthew 25? Well, this helps me too. Verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So, what is this about? You know, I don't know about you, but I don't think this is just written for Peter. This isn't just written for Peter. I, I think about this. Jesus takes it personal when we love or when we hurt one another. What did Jesus say to Paul the first time he met Paul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Like, did, G did Paul persecute Jesus? I mean, in, in, a, in a practical sense, no. I mean, Jesus was in heaven. He's the resurrected son of God. You can't persecute the resurrected, almighty, all authority in heaven and earth, God. You know what he says? He says, he laughs at the scoffers. You know, the, the God of heaven looks down, he laughs at these scoffers who think in Psalm 2, they can take him on, right? You can't persecute Jesus. He just blinded Paul, right? You know, when you feel persecuted, you kind of feel, I don't know, a little vulnerable, a little, a, little, a little in trouble, right? Was Jesus in trouble? No. Who was in trouble? Well, we know Stephen was in trouble. And the people he dragged off was in trouble. Jesus took that personal. Everything we do in this world, Jesus takes personal. Isn't that intense? And so every time we love, this is where it gets exciting. When we love like he would love, he takes that personal too. You know, I remember sometimes I've been in appointments, I dare say, that I don't want to be in. Amen? <laughs> you, you ever been in those moments where... You're just with somebody, and you're like, man, there's like three other things I'd rather do right now. Maybe 15, maybe 25. Amen? And the worst is when you're in a beef with someone else. That's the worst time to be in an appointment. It's an important appointment, but it's so tough, because you're like, oh, here we go, you know? Now, maybe your disciples don't know anything about that. I've never been to a fight with a brother or sister, but you will. Don't worry. Remember this, this, this message. But again, it is. It's, it's challenging. But that you're doing it for Jesus. Jesus felt love when you give love to other people. 
And that's how I am able, at times, not all the time, right, to stop thinking about me. Because we can't love when we think about ourselves. We can't. We can't love fully the way Jesus loved if we just think about ourselves. I'm not saying don't love yourself. I don't, I'm not saying not, not have boundaries. But I'm saying the way you can stop thinking about yourself, because it's hard when, you, when someone owes you $8,700, is behind that person is the resurrected Jesus. Behind that person, or maybe even in that person, is the Lord. There was a song that we like to sing. We maybe should bring it back. Called I Love You with the Love of the Lord. Who's heard that before? And it's super corny. Let me just say that right now. It's a corny song. And when we when when I was first growing up as a disciple, I was too cool for school. You know what I mean? I was too cool for anything. You know, I was like, oh yo, oh, yo, oh, yo, oh, what's up? I had dressed all in black. I was like my cousin Vinny, you know what I mean? I was super you know, my, my wife's uh, mother-in-law was like, you need to stop that black thing. Here's a, here's a purple shirt. Wear that. And I was like, wear it. But I, I was too cool. And they used to sing this song. It was called, We love you with the love of the Lord. No, no music. No beat. We love you with the love of the Lord. We see in you the glory of our King. We love you with the love of the Lord. And they keep singing it like seven times. And after the fourth time, I'd be like, you know, third time, I'd be like, come on, wrap it up. You know what I mean? But then the fifth time, I stood, my heart started getting soft. I was like, the glory of our King. And then I started singing it. You know what I mean? You know, and, and it, it catches on to, but you know, that the words of that is so powerful, guys. Mm-hmm. We love you with the love of the Lord. Wow. We see in you the glory of our King. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you how do we love like this? How do we love as you have been to me, so I'll be to you? That's a huge standard. That's 11.9 plus, plus, plus billion of dollars that he's loved us with. And more, right? But I want you to see the glory of the king. Every time you love someone, you're showing love to Jesus. Amen. And I want you to try to see the glory of the king. First in the disciples, and I know this is hard to say, but then in the non-disciples. It can be hard sometimes. When, some, when someone said, you know, we were going through some of the prayer lists for some people that were studying the Bible. And this sister, Kristen, always used to say, this is my sister, but she doesn't know it yet. And I'm like, you just say she's a study. Like, why do you have to say that over and over again? This is a brother that we just don't know. She doesn't know yet he's our brother. And then I just let her say it because, you know, I get, I get kind of convicted most of the time. I'm like, uh, you know, being cool is way overrated. You know? It is way overrated. The truth is, there's brothers out there. There's sisters out there we don't know about. And so I want us to pray this. I hope that you can pray this prayer with me. That is a really great prayer. And 
it's 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 the, it's the thing we talked about, you know. It's, it's this part right here. After sanctuary, after couple, yeah. Now, as you've been to me, so I will be to others. Not that I will think, but so I'll be with others. So let's have a prayer. And I do. I, I want to encourage. you. I know we've been doing this. Maybe this is not firing you up. Maybe you're not totally like, yes, I love this midweek. Maybe that's the case. But someday, I hope you pray this prayer. I hope you get into this a little bit, you know. And I do have the Gospel Project sheets up there if you'd like to look at them, if you'd like to go through them, if you'd like to go through the prayer. There's times I've been in tears praying these prayers. And I hope that you can capitalize on these thoughts and these prayers. Let's have prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. And Father, we... Um, we know we live in a world that, that hurts each other, God. Charlie said something profound on Sunday last. He said, hurt people hurt people. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's super deep. He said the same word again and again, and it made sense, you know. And Father, the truth is, Lord, it's, it's so true. Hurt people hurt people. And that's why Jesus said, For God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Abandoned, people that are abandoned, abandoned. But that doesn't have to be the case when we're in Christ. Lord, thank you that we're reversing how we've been hurt. And we're turning into good, Father. That we're able to change the course of our family's generational gene pool, Father. Spiritually speaking. That's amazing. God, that my sons have hope in their life, God. Because you've saved us. And God, prayerfully, their sons will have and their daughters will have hope because of how they've sought you. And I just thank you so much that we can love like your son. Lord, it's one of the most amazing privileges that we have as disciples is to, to love you. Sometimes we don't know, how do we love Jesus? How do I love God on this earth? It, he's, I can't see him. I can't hug him. I can't, I can't um, express it sometimes except in prayer. But Lord, you, you tell us clearly that we can express it through the love we have for one another. That when we love someone, we're loving you. And that's the greatest expression. God, I, I, I'm amazed when you said, what are the two commandments? The greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is like it. <coughs> I didn't get that scripture until this message tonight. The second is like it. How is loving your neighbor as yourself like Loving the Lord with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. The truth is, Lord, it is the same. It's one command. And Lord, help me see that, help us to see that as we interact with each other, and as we interact with those that desperately need you, God. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Have a great fellowship.